Trigger warning. High functioning directly deals with the realities of mental illness and mental health issues. As a result, some listeners may find this content triggering. We encourage listeners to tune in and out in a way that feels safe for them and seek support if they need. If you are in crisis, please call 911 or visit your nearest hospital. If you're in Canada, you can also call Crisis Services Canada at 1-833-456-4566 or text 741-741. This episode contains candid discussions of depression, anxiety, suicide, privilege, dissociation, ADHD, professional and personal support systems, medication, therapy, and the struggles we've had coping with mental illness. All right, welcome to High Functioning. We are just going to copy and paste the intro over and over, but today we are talking about faking it. Hey, I'm Britt. And I'm Amira. And this is High Functioning a podcast about people who struggle with mental illness while still maintaining seemingly productive and successful lives. Right. We're basically trying to be as millennial as possible by starting our own podcast. And after this, we're actually going to go grab some avocado toast. And we're not buying a house, to be clear. (laughs) Because of the avocado toast. So uh, the reason we wanted to talk about faking it is in our high-functioning lives, there are a lot of moments that we find we are kind of going through the actions that we know are the right actions, saying the words, you're, act- you're acting, you're acting a certain way or being a certain person in order to fit the mold that's expected of you when inside your mental health issues are really spiking or you're really anxious or whatever it is and you just kind of keep going through the action because it's what you have to do in that moment. So we really wanted to explore that. I know I've had a lot of moments like that. I mean, majority moments like that because my brain's always going. Um, but yeah, Mira, what do you what does faking it mean to you? Yeah, I think we're we're in a society that demands that we fake being okay sometimes. I don't necessarily know that that's all a bad thing or all a good thing I know that there's an element of faking it till you make it and sometimes that really works or sometimes I really won't want to go out or be social but I'll force myself to and I'll fake that I'm having a good time and sometimes I actually will end up having a good time but most of the time I won't and so what I kind of want to talk about a little bit is how do we create spaces where you don't have to fake it you don't have to wear that mask of having to fake it all the time can you surround yourself with friends and family that don't expect you to act a certain way or be a certain way I think for me personally I've had to fake it in so many parts whether it's faking my sexuality because it wasn't safe to be out or there are still spaces where it's not safe for me to be out and completely be who I am or am I faking my cultural or religious identity am I in a space where it's not safe to be identified as Muslim or am I completely faking the fact that I deal with a severe mental illness every day is also a huge thing that I have to fake a lot at work I used to do it at school, I do it with my friends, I still do it with my closest friends. A lot of them will tell you I'm a terrible actor, but there's also been times when they've not been able to tell that I was really, really struggling. 
there's actually a photo of me. I've, I've posted it on my Instagram. And it was taken the night of one of my suicide attempts. And in that photo, I'm smiling. I'm laughing. I'm with my friends. None of them knew what I was going through. And literally, not even five hours later, I was on the back of an ambulance going to the hospital, which is terrifying to think about if you think about how many people are faking it every single day and just how dangerous and detrimental and isolating that can be. It's extremely important that we we make the people we love know that they don't have to fake it and they can come to us when they need. When they need that space. Yeah. I guess I have chills because it's always very sad thinking about your attempts and imagining you know where that could have gone and I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for who you are today and your ability to speak of them um, and just having you in my life and I think that you know faking it when it comes to suicidal ideation is like one of the realest ways we fake it because suicidal ideation and we'll talk about this further but it's a huge part of many people's lives. Yeah. And we can't talk about it yet because it freaks people out, understandably so. Um, death is already a weird thing in our North American culture, let alone self-inflicted. So, like, one way that I fake it, that to me really isn't a big deal at all, but I can understand. I have actually never shared this, um, is literally every time I'm on a subway, um, I have a thought of jumping, and it's like, I guess we will put a disclaimer on this with triggers and content warnings, but that's just a thought that I have. It's almost like condition. It's like every time, I don't know, when every time a dog sees a tree, it salivates, right? And it's like, that's where my conditioning is, is every time I'm on a subway platform, I have this like thought. And in the past, that thought was like super, super overwhelming. And, you know, that's my sign that, okay, red flag, I need to do something about this. But generally, I will still have that thought no matter what. It's just like kind of who I am now. And I take the subway twice a day at least. And so that's like a real moment of faking it where like I'm just standing on the platform doing my own thing, listening to Beyonce on my headphones or whatever, like jamming out. And then I have that thought and I'm like still smiling. Everything's fine. And then you also kind of wonder like in that moment, who else is having that thought? And I would argue more people than we really think. And so, yeah, I really I love the space we're creating here because I mean, that's not something I talk about at all. The fact that, you know, standing on a subway platform, it's not triggering for me. That's the key there. It's not triggering at all anymore um, or most of the time, but it's still a thought that I have and Mm -hmm. having to kind of hide that thought so that I can maintain this view of being whatever people interpret me as um, has been a big part of my life, especially over the last few years as I take the subway every single day. But I wonder then what you would, what your ideal non-faking it space is and has anyone been able to achieve that with you? Because it really does depend a lot on your surroundings. Mm -hmm. I think you and I have created that space. Once I distinctly remember it was, we were talking about um, a subway thing and I was sort of talking about more casual suicidal ideation and I don't want to dive into it too much in this episode, but it's it was shocking to me, but also really not shocking that both of us had kind of been there. And we've been friends for, what, five years now? Yeah. And it wasn't until last year that we had this super, super candid conversation about it in my apartment, on my couch, just just talking about what we actually think about and what made it very, very, I think, special and important was that neither of us was scared 
not only to talk about it, but we weren't scared to hear what the other person had to say either. We were both very, very open-minded about what the other person was saying, and there wasn't this constant fear of, oh my god, are you okay? Or, or freaking out when one of us said something. It was, okay, we're going to take the gravity of this, and we're going to recognize the weight of it, but we're still going to hold space for that. And that was really important because it made it okay for me to say out loud things that I had never felt okay saying out loud. And when you put when you say something like that out loud and it's responded to with compassion and warmth and acceptance, it makes it easier. And some of those those fears started to dissipate a little bit. Is what my therapist calls a corrective experience, which is basically when maybe you've had a previous bad experience with something and you choose to be vulnerable again and you have a good experience and that sort of changes the way uh, you you see that vulnerability. So I think that's kind of what that space looks like. like for me. I don't know what it would be for you or, or if you've found ways to cultivate those spaces. I think that's really interesting. I definitely agree with you. And what hearing what you just said made me think of is how much faking it is for us versus the people around us. I will go back to what you said at first is, yeah, sometimes faking it is great. Sometimes it is for you. Sometimes you know... Like, there are certain situations or fun things that I like to do that I know I'll feel better once I do them. Um, And if I, you know, sometimes I don't have the mental strength to even believe that enough to actually go do the thing. Sometimes I do have that mental strength to really remember, believe, and be excited about what I'll feel after the fact, even if I don't feel it now. So then I fake it and I put the smile on or whatever, put my yoga outfit on. Um, I love my yoga outfits. Lululemon. (laughs) Ew, I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> um, but put it on and, and, you know, you fake it. You put that that whole persona on and then you go on your merry way and then you kind of forget that you've been faking it. And those are really great moments. But um, the struggle is when you're faking it for the people around you in many ways because they can't fully accept the, way, the waves of yes. different, like, emotions and feelings you might have. I, it's so complicated because a lot of it comes from fear for you. Right. I think the reason we were able to create such a safe space is because having had similar experiences, very different experiences, but some similarities, we trust each other to be able to recognize when things are not safe, mm-hmm. either get the help or wave the flag or whatever it is that you need to do, ring the bell. But when you speak to me of suicidal ideation... I don't freak out because I know that I too have those feelings. It's not a dangerous feeling. And I trust that if it was a dangerous feeling for you, you would let me know. And I think you, or there would be some way of knowing. Um, And I think that you also trust for me that if I was in a dangerous place and hearing about suicidal ideation wasn't okay for me, I would let you know. And so that conversation would then be changed or morphed or whatever it needed to be. But in I mean, we're really focusing on suicidal ideation, but it could be anything like anxiety, um, like panic attacks, having to fake it through panic attacks. You know, for some people, for me, I cry when I have panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people around me who have seen that, not many people, if they're not used to it, they immediately think, oh my God, what did I do wrong? And they take it on themselves and it becomes a very uncomfortable feeling because no one did anything wrong except my brain that's kind of freaking out in that moment and I have to deal with that. And so by faking it, I avoid that kind of interaction. And yeah, so I think thinking about that when you're faking it for the people around you, what creates a safe space for me where I don't have to fake it 
and I also want to put it aside as like we're not always just like faking it and like sad and you know we have no but it is something that comes more with being high functioning 100 percent. is is we fake it probably a lot more yeah than your average person because we have this pressure expectation an expectation to what we are performing correct i have a question to ask as well i'm going to say it now so i don't forget but let's keep it on our brain because i want to oh now i'm losing all my trains of thoughts but i wanted to ask is um is there pride in faking it yes and it's i hate that i'm saying yes but yes there absolutely is because it's i'm dealing with all of this stuff and things are so bad but i still went out and i did all of these things and i killed it and this this might be a stretch i don't know if you've ever felt this way but i almost use it as a punishment sometimes like Mm. to myself where i'm like I'm not feeling okay, so I'm going to force myself to pretend I'm okay and go and do all these things because I don't deserve to rest right now or I don't deserve to, like, take a moment off. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just push even harder Against than it. if I didn't have to be faking it. See, when I'm in that place where I really... When I'm solo, like, I find solo. So, space, low. Got it. I definitely thought solo, like, <laughs> S-O-L-O. <laughs> Um, it's really hard for me to push against that. And so I, like, I, I am usually a really master faker. Like I can really, I'm sure you are too. Yeah. It's it's part of our day-to-day living. Um, yeah. Like the whole getting out of bed thing, which we've mentioned before of like, you get out of bed and I hate it. I hate getting out of bed. Not because I like to sleep in, but because sometimes it's just so hard and I can't really explain why. And I'm still figuring out the words for that. But you get out of bed, and for me, like, my days right now is, like, I go to school, and I talk to people, and I go to class, and blah, 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 and then I go to work after school, and, like, a smile is always on my face. Um, That's not true. You have RBF. Resting bitch face. (laughs) But, okay, you know, some sort of appropriate mood is expressed on my face. Yes. Regardless. Um, And that's, like, not all of it is faking it. I mean, it's complicated. I go in and out of faking it throughout the day, as we all do, um, if you're high-functioning. But I find that if I can't fake it, um, like, different from you where you push yourself to the point of, like, suffering, Mm -hmm. I just can't. And then, not that I just can't, that sounds not great, but um, sometimes I just completely, like, mess up and then I'm, like, laying there. And then I can't let myself be around people when I can't fake it because I'm so almost, like, ashamed. Yeah, and we're conditioned to fake it. Like, that's the pinnacle of success Mm -hmm. in dealing with this is to if you can fake it and you can push through it then you're doing great you're doing great sweetie but that's not the case that's not the case yeah it's like yeah so it's weird when I when I can't push against it I kind of just like am by myself in a dark room and no one hears from me and that's not fun either or if they do hear from me it's like I, I can not fake it for a minute and then get like really angry or let an emotion shine through and then immediately I like backtrack and then try to fake it but I don't have the energy to fake it and then it's just like a whole mess which is why it's really important to cultivate friendships that allow you to have moments to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I think, like we were saying, it is about like vulnerability, openness. Um, I think our exploration into Brené Brown has made a huge difference in our ability. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because faking it is exhausting. Like, it's part of our lives. And it's really not a huge deal at the end of the day because it is, it's what everyone does. We all fake it at some point or another. Like, we all put on a face or, like, you know, you don't want to you're not happy-go-lucky going into every single thing no matter who you are um so we all need space to just like relax and chill yeah and i think particularly for people who really struggle with their mental health that space needs to be so safe so vulnerable 
um, well, it needs to be very safe so that you can be really vulnerable because you're going to go into a territory territory that's not always comfortable for people and you don't want reactions that may kind of push you away from that safe place and you know it's really complicated so learning about Brene Brown and learning about her methods for vulnerability has really helped us cultivate that space and I think it's actually helped me cultivate that space with more people than I expected first people who have also read into um, her ideologies and her work because you can use that as kind of a starting point of what a safe vulnerable space looks like and then once you have that and you have more examples of spaces where you can avoid faking it for me it's been a little bit easier to introduce that with new people who may be a bit more resistant to it and kind of slowly but surely um, chip away at a space for myself as well and even though that is work and not everyone can do that work um, the reward for me has been the ability to see that even people that I thought I needed to fake it around all the time had the space to let me be me um, when I needed. I mean, I'm always me, even faking it is me, let's be real. But um, let me let me create a space that was raw and kind of messy and not necessarily my perfect Brit self. Yeah, you could come as you were in that moment. Exactly. And, and it was fine either way. You weren't. You didn't have to be one specific type of mm-hmm. faking it. And I think on that note too, then you kind of move away from people that you feel you can't build that with. And then having that circle of people that you can be like yourself completely, whatever that means in that moment, um, gives you the energy to be able to fake it like a badass in any other moment that you need to fake it. And that's how you're going to find your success and do whatever you need to do in that day. All right, on that note, Amira, have you had to fake it this week? I have. I think I fake it every week in at something. Uh, this week in particular, though, I think I was faking it more out of, I didn't really know how to talk about what I was feeling, so I was having a really, really rough go at it. I think it was more just a combination of things, but it had been this way for a little while. And I was FaceTiming one of my friends, a really good friend of mine, and she kept asking if I was okay or what was going on, and I just kept saying fine to the point that she was like you said you're fine 11 times in a row like clearly That's funny that she actually counted she, I, love I was numbers. like numbers I was like are you actually counting um but I just I didn't feel I didn't know where to start with opening up so I thought that if I said something then it would just be like the floodgates were opening and I wasn't ready to be that vulnerable I was I I don't know that it wasn't that I was feeling I wasn't feeling safe like I was safe obviously but it just didn't feel right so I think faking it for me can often be a defense mechanism because I don't know I don't know how long that slippery slope is going to be of once I start opening up will I be able to stop or is it going to be too much there's just a lot of vulnerabilities and insecurities that made it a lot easier to just fake it and not really get into things it's interesting that you say that because I feel like faking it is we talked a lot about how faking is for the people around us yes. but then it's also a protective mechanism for us but also being able to get over faking is somewhat our responsibility as well like we build those spaces for ourselves but then we also have to learn how to actually communicate our feelings and when it when we should and when we shouldn't and that's a really really hard thing to learn and there are no real rules or consistencies among that what yeah. do you think that's exactly it that's what i struggle with it's if i tell someone I'm not feeling okay or I'm upset the question is well why but I don't always know why because I have trouble identifying my feelings or articulating what I'm feeling and sometimes that feeling of not being able to articulate something that I'm trying to articulate 
is a lot harder than just not saying anything at all. So I think that's what what drives me to stay a little bit quieter in those situations. And with faking it, like you know, you may not know how to express your feelings in that moment, or like what what the feelings are stemming from, or can't really be able to talk about can't really talk about it in that moment. But you know how to fake it. Yes, and I'm the one controlling that narrative. If I start opening up, I'm not in control anymore, and that's really vulnerable and really scary. Yeah. So if there was a tip for how that situation could be handled by the people around you, what would you say to them? I don't know. I don't know. What What do you What do you think works for you? Because I, for me, it's like I, part of me wants them to keep pushing and creating that safe space where okay, you're not okay. We need to talk about this because I do I do need to talk about it. I do need to not fake it and I do need to open up. But it's really hard to feel safe. And I don't always know what I need to feel safe. I think for me, I don't know also. It is hard. It's really complicated. I mean, we, we talk a lot. We've talked a lot about the different safe spaces. And we are really appreciative of the friends who've created those spaces for us. But it's it changes day by day. I think just like sitting with me and like just being there is a huge deal but then I also agree that you know okay let's say I'm in that place where I'm faking it and someone knows something's up and it's someone who's safe and they're trying to make me open up and I'm not and then they change the topic because they're just, they still want to show that they're there for me but it's evident I don't want to open up but then I'm like well, well what you don't care about my issues anymore and like mm-hmm. then there's that dynamic so I guess maybe this is our like unanswered question of you know we've come really far in how we've learned to handle both faking it and being our most like real selves but it's not perfect so how how did that situation end up finishing for you we ended up getting interrupted and I was thinking okay I'm gonna in the next couple minutes I'm gonna open up I'm gonna open up and I just delayed it for so long that we had to end the conversation because life happens and uh so we didn't we didn't really end up getting into it I mean I'm sure in the future we will revisit that conversation, but it was not it was not the right opportunity then, um, and I didn't want to be rushed with it. So maybe maybe what people can do in that situation is be patient mm-hmm. and keep trying and we'll open up eventually. but still you know like don't don't do that on at the expense of your own mental health. like don't mm-hmm. keep pushing us if it's gonna take a toll on you too. And if we react in a way that's unfavorable, um, I know a lot of my friends who support their friends, including myself, both as a support and as the person struggling and they push and then sometimes it's a, well, you know, and then we react in like a more Mm -hmm. aggressive way and it takes a lot of self-awareness on part of the support system at that point to be like, this isn't actually an aggression towards me. They're just reacting to that circumstance and that's really hard too and it takes so much work um, and I really admire, admire is not even the world, word, I have so much love for my friends um, who have made that space and who are willing to kind of be like shit on for a little bit. And like, that's not okay also, like that's also on yeah, us. Yeah, I feel like that's not, I mean, I get it, it happens and I do it mm-hmm. too, but it's super unfair yeah. to the person trying to support you. Yeah. Like I think as people struggling, we still have, knowing it's not really necessarily our fault we still have to take that accountability and take that responsibility for us being not great to our friends like there's no excuse for treating someone badly when they're trying to help Mm -hmm. but we also still have to have compassion for ourselves when it does happen because it's it's bound to happen so what i'm hearing is that it's a clusterfuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh have you had a faking it moment this week yeah i definitely have um for 
anyone who's listened to the medication episode, I talked about not necessarily having like bad side effects after getting off my meds, which was really lucky. And I think I'm still feeling pretty good. I'm still happy with my decision, but um, either it was like a combination of PMS or like whatever it was, I've just been very kind of up and down in my emotions this week, like very mood swingy. Um, and on that note of faking it, like no one would know I'm mood swingy, but like inside the like frog in your throat kind of thing. I don't even know if that's the right saying. Yeah, I think it is. Like lump in your throat, throat frog yeah, in your throat. Lump in your throat, yeah. like feeling of like I'm about to cry is happening like probably every two hours, even less. And then on that same note, like it's like, oh, I'm about to cry because things are so happy. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm about to cry because things are so sad. And it's like about everything. And, like, again, I'm faking it because no one really knows that like how varied that's feeling right now. Um, and I don't know if that's just circumstances. I do know that I felt that way before I went on the meds. So I have some reason to believe it's associated with the meds. It could also be associated with my hormones. Um, I had a, I was really open with my roommate about it and that was really great. It definitely helped relieve some of the lumps, um, and make it a little easier to be like, I'm not actually going to cry right now, but like, I don't know. My emotions are a little weird. Um, so that has been like an interesting faking it dynamic this week. Um, one specific moment was like last night, it's a Friday night, I think I'm going to go out and like I could tell that I was kind of getting to that place where I need, I would need to fake it in order to go out. Like I didn't really have that desire to anymore. Um, I was like tired and and it's been a busy week. Um, but I just forced myself to do it as I normally do. And usually the payoff is good. Like we talked about this earlier but like it is good it feels good and then you kind of forget that you're faking it and then you just start living and doing um and it's hopefully good it has been for me but I just could not make that happen last night no matter how hard I tried and it definitely affected the people around me um people who thought it was their fault and like it wasn't and that's just like a work in progress as well of like how you communicate it that's the thing too is I just couldn't communicate what was going on like I didn't fully know what was going on Um, I was frustrated in general and then I was frustrated in my surroundings and then it just compounded and like in that sense the faking it becomes not this like perfect let's just party let's just whatever person but just a very quiet person so and that's what I like defaulted to was quiet and then eventually was able to go home and get into bed and call it a night Um, this morning I feel weird about it I'm disappointed because it just I'm disappointed because it was just a shitty night like yeah. for no other reason it was just a shitty night um and it sucks that my faking it couldn't get me to the place where I needed it to go um but I'm trying to be compassionate with myself and recognize that like it is a stress like hormones meds neurotransmitters stress life like it's hard right now and I'm allowed to kind of have those nights not every night that I fake it is going to be a success you know yeah I think that's one of the hardest parts of being so high functioning and so good at faking it is sometimes it doesn't work and that's that's kind of your go-to coping mechanism or strategy so when it doesn't work it kind of leaves you in a lurch and you don't really know what to do it kind of feels like you're no longer this high functioning person Mm -hmm. and like my whole life is consumed by mental health and mental like mental health issues and illnesses and like and when we define ourselves so much by not being someone who's consumed by mental illness which is not necessarily a good thing either to define ourselves that way it does feel like pretty failure-ish when you try to do the quote-unquote like healthy person thing and it's just like meh yeah but um I think that sometimes though faking it with the right support systems 
like we said, sometimes it has really wonderful results. And I think that we had an experience like that. We did. And I don't know if the experience we had was good because I was faking it or because you were able to let me fake it when I needed to and then pick up on it when I was sort of crashing and and help me out there. But I also think that you there was a circumstance where you needed to fake it and that was on you. Yeah. And that was because of your ability and your coping strategy and you faked it until you needed to. And then it was just hard to kind of get out of that faking and then I was there to step in. Like I really do think it was a teamwork to create what ended up being a pretty good, meaningful night for both of us. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should dive into that night, day a little bit more. Uh, so it started with me spending the morning at CAMH, which is the Center for Addictions and Mental Health. I was there exploring some options to deal with my mental health and, and find some treatment options. I hadn't been doing very well. I was in a really rough spot, a really dark spot, so this was an opportunity for me to get some services and get some supports. So I spent the morning doing that. However, in the afternoon, I had to speak at a conference in front of about 200-ish people. Yeah. About 200 people about how to thrive with a mental illness and talking about mental health at work and how we create safe spaces for being a person with a mental illness or mental health issues at work. So it was a lot of pressure to, to really paint a great picture about what we can do and what can still be done some great things that are happening but it was difficult because of how I had spent my morning it was sort of the two most extreme circumstances yeah it was so extreme it was like on the one hand I'm super vulnerable and upset and at a mental health hospital and on the other hand I'm on stage killing it making one of my biggest dreams come true uh so fake I really had to fake it that day can we just pause for one second I do want to emphasize that like there's so much pride that I had in you in that moment of um just like CAMH aside mental health issues aside like that moment of being asked to speak on this stage was huge for you right and I think that's just testament and it was beyond you know your experiences with mental illness or anything like that like obviously that contributed but you were asked because you've worked so hard and this was like your reward for the work um that you've put in as an advocate as like a person who is in business and knows about the various ways because it was like a tech conference so yeah knowing how to incorporate both your passions and tech and business and all this stuff and it was like it was just a really cool moment for you in your career yeah I feel like it was one of those dream moments that I may have thought of when I was really depressed and in a rough spot that one day I can be the type of person that can talk about this and be open about it and I love speaking and I love conferences so it really was a dream come true it was it was hard to enjoy that because I was putting so much effort into faking it and I should add that was also the day that the um shootings happened in New Zealand at uh, a couple of mosques and a lot of people died and I was grappling with that while also trying to figure all of this out Uh, I was flying out the next day to to go see my parents because I was in such a rough spot like there was just anything that could have been going on with me was going on um and I actually so I spoke and it apparently went really well it went really well everyone loved you um but I think it's what happened after that is really interesting do you maybe want to take on that part of the story I think um one thing to note as well is that even though this was like a crazy special moment at the same time like it's real life you Mm -hmm. know like I, I I don't like 
giving so much emphasis to like a moment being the best moment or like being the best day because real life is what you experience that day it was having this really special moment in your career which does deserve emphasis but it's within the realms of like your real life which was you know going to Kim H that morning and then real life like things you can't fucking control at all that are so tragic and horrible like the shootings in New Zealand the mosque shootings like there was no way that like there was there was just no way that you could have you know a perfect day when something like that happens and you can't control that and I think it's like kind of having all these different versions or things that coexist like you can have this day where all these horrible things happen but still celebrate the really awesome point in your career. But on that day, you couldn't celebrate it, and that's okay. But I hope that when you reflect on it, you kind of feel like a badass. Yeah. Uh, I think my perspective on that day is that, yeah, it was really awesome to see you at the conference. This is a conference. It was my first time attending it. Um, And it's just like the people there are great and everyone admires you and it was just so cool to be like oh my god that's my best friend like look at her just kill it up there and like I'm so impressed and people are jiving with what you're saying and it's so cool um I knew that that time was already rough and I obviously knew of the shootings and knew how that affects anyone particularly someone who is also Muslim and whose parents regularly frequent mosque and how that feels I can never begin to imagine but I could put into perspective how that must have been affecting you that day and how it just compounded fucking everything like what a day Mm -hmm. um and I think knowing all that when you got off the stage I could tell Mm -hmm. Amir is out the window right now this is this is a robot coming through yeah she's very much going through the steps I can tell everyone's coming up to you oh you did great thank you thank you oh can I talk to you yeah feel feel free to contact me like you know you're saying the right words but like it was like blank inside and I could tell that right away and uh yeah I just remember being like are you hungry no no maybe I could eat no and it's like okay we're gonna go eat like yeah I hadn't eaten that whole day and I and you were like you haven't eaten today have you and I was like oh wait no I haven't yeah okay maybe food and it's interesting how in that space too like your body forgets to give you cues I was so disconnected from my body I was faking it so hard that I was so disconnected from my body that I didn't know that my feet were hurting, that I hadn't had anything to eat all day. It was very surreal. It was like I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. And you, and as someone who's really close to you and has experienced that myself and from seeing you, it was clear you weren't there. Like, it was clear mm-hmm. to me that what, what I was seeing right now was like a robot going through the actions. I And I completely understood, you're coming off a stage. You're not going to come off and be like, and I'm back, you know? Like, yeah. you're, you have all these things. You had all these things you had to do in order to get on that stage in the first place, and that's so impressive. But then you weren't able to get yourself back down to you, what you needed to be in that moment. Like, you were just stuck, and I think that's fair, and that's when your friends come in. I mean, I'm sure eventually you would have brought yourself back down or, like, fallen asleep and the next morning been semi-okay, but I'm happy I was there because I think it just became like, okay, let's go through the actions together. Action number one, we need to eat. Let's go eat. And mm-hmm. then as we ate and you got more food in you and, like, we had a drink and whatever... Um, I don't even remember if you drank that night. I know I had a drink. I don't remember. I feel like my my memory in general is still kind of foggy because I was so exhausted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we definitely ate, and I was kind of a little bit better, but I wasn't fully no, fully back. No. And I remember thinking, oh well, I was just gonna go out for dinner, and then I would go home because you know everyone has their own shit to do. Like that's not a reflection of how much you care for someone. It's just 
And then after we ate and I saw, no, no, she's not back yet. We're still robots. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, the things can wait. Um, And kind of forced myself over. Yeah, you came you came over. I had to pack. That's what it was. Yeah. And I'm terrible at packing mm-hmm. in general. Like even if I'm fully there, yeah. I don't know how to pack a suitcase to save my life. I think I call you every time I'm trying to pack yeah, a suitcase. Yeah, that's been a, a thing that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, but you came over because I was still so in this faking it mm-hmm. mode that I didn't I didn't know how to reconnect with myself and I was just I didn't know what was happening. Like mm-hmm. it was sort of this blur. It was very, very strange. Um, almost more, it was actually more dissociative, I would argue, yeah, than yeah. faking it. And I, I think there's a, a strong distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can sort of slip from faking it into dissociation very quickly, or at least I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, dissociation is something I've dealt with a lot. And so when I am faking it, it's something I have to be really careful of, that I'm faking it to get through this moment because that's what's required of me right now, which was speaking on stage. Mm-hmm versus I'm completely disconnecting from myself and dissociating, which is what happened after. And I really needed you then to bring me back. So that goes to what I was saying earlier about when do people need to push us to to open up or to connect? And I think you needed to push me Mm -hmm. that night to to open up and reconnect. As a support that night, um, you didn't snap at me at all or anything like that. But as someone who's also quite sensitive to like different changes and friendships it was very easy for me to slip into the oh well she's treating me like this because or like she's quiet because she's mad at me or like we're not communicating because our friendship is like shot right now and like get there and so it did take an active effort for me to be like no 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 that's not what's going on right now at all this isn't someone who wants to like ruin a friendship with me at all and like if she did she would just like fall off the face of the earth like you would not keep like trying to hang out with me yeah um and so really kind of forcing myself to be like no that's that's not it's not about me like that right now and like this person's not being cruel to me at all and so I need to be there for her and then that's what we did and honestly like the way I remember that night is really just us ending up at your condo and like sitting on the couch and hanging out and talking like I almost forgot that we were like packing and like all that you know Mm -hmm. how we got to the couch feels like not important memories even though they really are but I know that like when I left I felt okay leaving you which is not what yeah. I felt after the talk, which is not what I felt after dinner. You know, I, I, and it's not that you were unsafe to yourself or anything, but like, I just wanted you to feel okay. And it was just so clear yeah. you weren't. And I just really, I really didn't need to be alone. Yeah. Like I thought I needed to be alone, but I really should not have been left yeah. alone. And you saw that. And I, yeah, aside from packing, we were sitting on the couch and you were letting me talk. I don't even know what I was saying for half of it. I think it. we cried. But I did cry, yeah. yeah. I distinctly remember being like, this is kind of weird. I'm crying, but I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But I felt safe. Yeah. And I felt okay. And so that was kind of when I stopped faking it all together. And there was this like moment of reconnection. Yeah. Of like, okay. It's like the light. I'm back. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I handle um... serious things with inappropriate humor. But it was... As hard as that was and as brutal of an experience that was and also beautiful, it was a really amazing and beautiful experience to be able to know that I have someone that can help me reconnect. And I think if there are more spaces and places for people to have those moments with other people, we won't feel like we have to fake it all the time. And I think that it's so much work 
Yes. On everyone's part. It was work for you to trust me. It was work for you to not flip out on me when I'm like, all right, we're going to your place now. And like, I'm going to help you pack. And in your head, you're thinking you need to be alone. And so that's work for you. It was work for me not to take you, like not to take it personally. Like Mm -hmm. it's so much work, but the payoff is so worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it to learn about your friend's needs and learn about how they express emotions, whether they're like mentally ill or not. I think it's just, it's so worth it to connect on that level and to be able to share those moments with your friends and know that like together you can kind of tackle anything. Um, It's really special. And I, I feel really lucky that I've been able to kind of develop that with my friends and it's not perfect by any means, but we're trying. And I think that's kind of the best we can do right now. Yeah, I think also one of the important things to recognize is your friends that fake it the most, your friends that are the most high-functioning are probably the ones you need to check in on the most Mm -hmm. and the ones you need to push a little more. And when they say they're okay, double-check and verify. Put in a little extra work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Be a little bit more patient. But it's it can save lives. It really can. I think that's a good way to wrap up today. What do you think? I think so. Thanks for tuning in. This has been High Function. Hey, everyone. It's Britt. I think I might do these uh, little wrap-ups after every episode. We pre-recorded these episodes over the summer and the fall. So listening back to them, it can be a little scary. It can be a little daunting. Uh, We didn't really know what order we would put it out in, so as a listener, I hope it's not very confusing. But these are my immediate thoughts. One, I hope that we fixed up the volume issues and that it sounds a little bit better, a little bit more fluid. Uh, Two, I'm really nervous that this is as well received as the first episode. We have been so grateful for all the love and it's been so exciting. And then you realize, well, you want to keep that up and you don't want anyone to be Uh, thrown off by the next topic and I feel like this topic is very vulnerable and very real to us and it to me at least doesn't feel as fluid and put together as that first episode was and so I got really scared in putting it out I got really nervous that we just didn't sound as good and that our thoughts were more scattered but I think that's just reflective of what the topic is faking it is a really real thing to us and we haven't figured it out and it is scattered and weird and so If it is a bit confusing where our thoughts are going, just know that we're confused too. And it's not about figuring it out. It's just about sharing our stories and our experiences. Again, these really, really are just our experiences. Uh, And if you can relate, that's great. And if your experiences are totally different, that's great. Uh, We're not here to tell anyone how they should or shouldn't feel, but we're just here sharing what we felt Um, and hopefully creating a community that accepts this uh, in a way. I don't know if that really makes sense. I guess I'm just nervous because it's really vulnerable and I'm really grateful for everyone listening. Um, So thank you. And just a reminder that until we get 500 downloads, we are still waiting to give away that self-care bucket list. Um, So please listen, share, subscribe, rate, review, do what you need to do if you think it's worth it. Um, If you don't like it, let us know too. How can we be better? What do you want us talking about? All of those things even though feedback scares me especially when it comes to vulnerable topics anyways i'm ranting now so thank you so much and we hope you enjoyed this episode